Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am the sidekick Dylan Waugh. I am the Steve Van Zant to Ken's Bruce Springsteen or the Silvio to Ken's Tony Soprano. Same guy. Both me. Today we're going to be talking about Brad Marchand, the Olympics, Tuka Rask retiring, and so much more to get to with this week of news. It's going to be wild. Stick around and find out. Ken, how are you? How about I, I see you more as a Paulie Walnuts. Who? <laughs> He's on The Sopranos. Oh, Paulie! <laughs> yeah, Paulie! Yeah, this guy. The, he always talks with the, with the. My wife and I were doing that for so long after watching The Sopranos, and then we we watched The Sopranos while she was pregnant, and then she had the baby, and when she was a good eater, we were going like, "She's a good eater." <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sopranos uh, references abound in my household. Okay. But no, at last I'm the guitar player, Steve Van Zandt. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Is it because I'm going gray at the sides? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the sides. Just though. the sides. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Boy, we've got a lot to get to on we this, sure uh, on this sure episode. We sure do. So let's start off with the big hitting news. Tuka Rask is expected to retire. Correctamundo. And last week, (laughs) last (laughs) week, we're just talking about, uh, what's his name? Henry Winkler the other day. Yeah. Last week we talked about, um, Henrik Lundqvist and, uh, whether he deserves to be in the hall of fame. And so this week it's only fair that we ask the same thing to Tuka Rask. What do you think? Is he in the hall? Is he in the hall? Well, it's an interesting question because I think the question is not, is he a hall of famer? Because whether or not Tuka Rask is a Hall of Famer is going to be up to 18 people who get together on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> seriously, and yeah. hash this out and decide with no accountability and uh, no transparency. So if they decide he's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. I think the question is, should he be a Hall of Famer? And in my mind, he's close. Uh, he's borderline, but I don't think he quite gets there. Yeah. Um, he's got the cup, but it was as a backup after he lost the crease because he had it the year before. Yeah lost the crease to Tim Thomas in the playoffs, you know, got them to two finals, was very, very good through those playoffs, uh, was not so good in some really crucial moments in those finals, in both of those finals. Mm-hmm. Game seven against St. Louis, I mean, I think the entire Boston Bruins team laid an egg, yeah. but, he, but he was right there laying it with them. Um, you know, so I, I, I put him in kind of the Mike Vernon, Chris Osgood category, um, you know, pretty, really good, really good at times, but not quite good enough to be great. It'll be interesting, I think, because we're going to see sort of what the pattern's going to be in the next couple of years. No goalie has gotten into the Hall of Fame since 2016 when, Rogue, for whatever reason, reasons I can even begin to figure out that they inducted Rogie Vash on 34 <laughs> years after his career ended. Yep. That was the last goalie to get in, but now we're going to have a bit of a run here because this year, Roberto Luong goes up. Right. Uh, next year... Hank is up yeah. in 2023 and in 2024, Ryan Miller's up. So I yes. think, I think what happens with those guys will be a pretty good bellwether as to whether or not, uh, Tuka Rask gets in. Yeah. Like if Henrik Lund- Lundqvist doesn't get in and I think he's going to, mm-hmm. 
all those other guys can forget it probably. Yeah. You know, like, like if you're basing it on comparisons, but again, you, you just never know what the hall of fame selection committee is going to do, what they're going to think, who they're going to listen to, um, who they're going to be swayed by. Um, but I, I don't, in my mind, he's, he's not a hall of famer. His body of work isn't that extensive. Like when you look at it, like he's been around for a long time, but I mean, he's 33 and wins 33rd and wins. He's got 308 wins. Yeah. Um, three more than Billy Smith, but then you look like the playoff resumes yeah. don't match up, right? That's yeah. why Billy Smith's in the Hall of Fame. So, um, yeah, in the end, long-winded answer, long way of answering a short question. Uh, no, I don't believe he is Hall of Fame caliber, Yeah, but I suppose we'll find out in the next couple of years. My brother was part of a folk duo uh, in the 90s, and one of this, his songs was about uh, Art Garfunkel dying and meeting Salieri in heaven and, <laughs> and basically just being these always outshined people. Wow. Right? That were brilliant in their own respects, but were just always outshined. Anyways, very dark, but uh, you just reminded me of that when, uh, of when you talked about Tuka Rask. Of course I did. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> All right. So this is the one that I obviously I have some strong feelings about. First of all, I agree with you. I don't think that he's a Hall of Famer. I was actually thinking about comparing Rask to Lundqvist last week when right. we were talking about um, right. Lundqvist. And so he- here's what I'm going to say. Generations of goaltenders seem to be m- very much divided in threes, right? Okay. okay. You've got like Terry Sawchuk, Glenn Hall, Jacques Plante. Right. Maybe Johnny Bauer's in there, but he was kind of, he came in a little bit later than those guys. And But like that was a, that was the generation, right? Right. Those guys ran the roost. Then you got Dryden, Esposito, and Vladislav Trechak, mm-hmm. right? Those guys ran the seventies. Now, if I guess maybe Bernie Perrant, I was going to say Bernie yeah. Perrant. If you want to take out Trechak and be all NHL biased, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I would say Trechak, right? Or if you think Trechak's overrated, which I do, <laughs> I do. I've got a funny story about his goalie school, but we can (laughs) save that for another day because I got enough here. And then you've got Wah, Hasek, and Trevor Kidd. Oh, I mean, um, (laughs) Marty Brodeur, who, by the way, was- And Ed Belfour nipping at the the periphery there. But here's the thing, and I've got in brackets, an argument could be made for Ed Belfour or Curtis Joseph, but the fact is, is that the best goalie of all time is one of Wah, Hasek, or Marty Brodeur. Yeah, and it's Hasek. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I, I won't no, argue with I, anybody no. saying any of those I, I, three. I, thank, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic. My point <laughs> is, is that um, you, like, Belfort on another, in another generation would have been one of those three. But he's talking, we're talking about the greatest generation of goaltenders, right? Right. right. In this generation, there, and, and this generation I've defined as people who've had their primes line up at least about four or five years with each other. Okay. Right? Okay. There's Price, Luongo, Lungvist, Fleury, Miller, Bobrovsky, Holtby, Rene, Rask, Quick, Mike Smith, and Corey Crawford, and there's not a huge drop-off in any yeah. of that list. Now, you can make that list yeah, any, yeah. Way, any yeah. way you want, yeah. but none of those guys you say, ah, no, that's tier two. Yeah, so you're not putting Vasilevsky in that group. He's sort of he's the too next- young. He's sort of the next part. Yeah, he's- Because he's-, he's like he's already in the Hall of Fame. Oh, big time! Like, because seriously, his big time. He is so projecting to be one of the greatest goalies of all time. Yeah. Like it's it's ridiculous. Completely yeah, agree. So, okay, yeah. Completely agree. Okay, and so 
in order to get into the Hall of Fame within this class, you have to do something. It's either your body of work yeah. or what you contributed to the to the sport. Okay. And so Lundqvist, I said yes because he contributed something to the sport, but Rask is just an excellent goalie in a generation of excellent goaltenders. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't really contribute anything because I think that Carey Price makes it in because he contributed a lot to the position. Right. He was the he was the measuring stick for like 10 years mm-hmm. for goaltenders. Mm-hmm. So I think that Carey Price makes it in. But Rask, like you said, he won a cup as a backup goalie. Right. And got there twice as a as a starter. Yeah. Um, he was great in the 2005 World Juniors. Oh, yeah. He, he was great. Yeah. Big time. I think it was 2005 Vancouver. The one where Justin Pogge and didn't have to do anything to win yeah. a gold medal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he was he was lights out in that tournament. But that's not. Like stuff like that isn't enough. So last last point of this, more proof of the parody of today. Between 2008, when Rask played his first NHL game, and 2021, do you know how many different goalies won the Vesna? To, at what years? Between 2008 and 2021. So that's a total of 14 years. Yeah, I'll say nine, twelve, twelve. Okay. Twelve. Only two repeats in Tim Thomas and Sergei Bobrovsky. Right. Okay. And Tim Thomas, I didn't put into that group because again, I don't think that his prime lined up enough with other people's and, primes. And plus, his his again, his body of work isn't big enough. It's not that big. He he started real late. What but I will 13 say: thirteen years before that. Yeah. Do you know how many people won the Vesna? Three. Seven. Okay. <laughs> but my point is, yeah, yeah, is that yeah, there's this yeah. parody now that exists. Yeah, yeah. That didn't exist yeah. before. Yeah. What I will say about Tuka Rask is that. For 10 years, the Boston Bruins had zero concerns about goaltending. Yeah. Like that, that's incredible to me. Like it's incredible that, that you go that long. Right. Like even if you have a carry price, you know, you're, you're concerned about your goaltending right now oh, in Montreal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky, yeah. you know, Samuel you can, Montebo starter. At, there's sometimes when you're concerned about like, <laughs> like last year with Sergei Bobrovsky and the year before, right? Like to, to go 10 years and to know that you've got, above average to elite goaltending. Um, like that's huge. That yeah. is huge. Yeah. But still not enough. Close, but not enough. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, the, like you said, the distinction is that this conversation is, do we think that he's deserving to be in right. the hall of fame? Right. And we seem to be on the same page. I, I'm, I'm yeah. I just to belabor this a little more. I, I'm not, I'm not a big one for this guy's in. So this guy should be in. I, I don't, hate that. I don't like that. Two wrongs don't yeah, equal exactly, a right. Exactly. Exactly. You don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't correct mistakes by making more mistakes. Right. right? Um, where was I going with this? Where was I going with this? In terms of, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So I, so I'm not, I'm not big on that, but like you look and like Tom Barrasso's not in the hall of fame. Right. Exactly. How do you, how do you not have Tom Barrasso in the hall of fame and then have, Sukarask, or for that matter, even a Henrik Lundqvist, in my opinion. Right. I mean, Rasso won the, like he came out of high school, won the Vezina Trophy. Yeah. And the Calder Trophy, two yeah. cups. Like what, what, like he was a jerk. Yeah. yeah. I, I experienced it firsthand a couple of times because he actually played <laughs> in Toronto for a very, very, very brief time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like jerk, massive jerk, but. That's neither here nor there. You judge what he did on the ice. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is that there may be more than a couple of jerks in the Hall of Fame. In the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, Hall of <laughs> Fame. 
<laughs> oh, did I say that? Or oh, did I? Say, yeah. yeah. Whoops. <laughs> so uh, do you want to move on? I think that we've. Yeah, pretty, I think we pretty much I think we pretty much <laughs> beat that into a carcass. I've got like this much notes on yeah. like the goaltending and then like the rest of my answers are like this. Okay, good. Good. So you won't be talking as much. Yeah, I, think, I plan to just shut think, right up after I, this. I think that helps. I think I think that'll be that'll be a good thing. Yeah, I've just got pithy comments after this. Pithy. Is all. Okay. Yes, exactly. Why are you getting so pithy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, he said pithily. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a short and strong answer right. is what it was. Right yes. on. Okay. Ah <laughs> uh, boy. Um that was a really good one, Ken. Oh, uh, thanks. Before we move on to the next <laughs> thing, I just want to say uh please subscribe kencampbell.substack.com. Uh, like this podcast, take some time to leave a review. Very helpful. Subscribe to the podcast on either Apple Podcasts or YouTube or wherever you want to get your podcast. And again, for this podcast and more writing directly into your inbox, kencampbell.substack.com. Let's move on to the next point. Sticking with the Boston Bruins, Brad Marshan just continually sabotages himself by doing stupid things. And the other night, uh, well, last night for us, as we're recording, going after Tristan Jari, given his rap sheet, how many games does he get for that one? It's interesting because it's all over the map on social media, right? Like there's some people like, it's like, <laughs> oh, come on. He didn't do anything. Didn't hurt anybody um, to, yeah, he should get an in-person hearing and he should be at least six games or whatever. Um, probably fall in the middle a little bit. Um, like he just got suspended two months ago, eh? Yeah, and, that, got, and that's a pre. And pre, he's got uh, seven suspensions. Like, like come on, like you know, and it bugs me because I love Brad Marchand. I right, love him. Right. I I love the way he plays the game. I think he's. I think he's like. I think his 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 talent is you know really gets overshadowed by the stupid stuff that he does. Yeah, I almost said it by the stupid stuff that he does. <laughs> Um, I, I love him as a player and I, and I really, I really, really like him as a person. I've talked to him a couple of times. Yeah. I really like him. He's yeah. a good guy. Like, yeah. like it's, it's interesting because it's so weird because like, it's always that way, right? Like the goons, the guys who were enforcers in the eighties and everything, oh, yeah. they were the biggest teddy bears going off the yeah. ice, right? Yeah. Like they were the first ones to go to the, you know, the hospital and visit kids who were sick and yeah. do all the charity work. And they were so nice and everything. And then, you know, they put on, put on some hockey equipment and they lose their minds. But, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 you know, you keep, you keep thinking, oh, maybe, maybe Brad Marchand's gotten it and that's why he's playing so well. And then he does something like last night and, I mean, I know, you know, he didn't, the end result wasn't devastating, but usually the way, um, the, uh, um, the inaptly named player safety department works yeah. is that, is that, you know, they, they take into account <clears throat> the result in the length of the suspension, not in whether or not he should be suspended. Right. So the act itself is in isolation that way. And yeah. that, it was pretty bad. Like it was pretty bad, especially when he got a stick in there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think he's got to sit for at least three, maybe four. Um, not 10, yeah. but, but he's got to sit for a couple. So, I mean, I've given up on guessing what the, the aptly named department of player safety is. 
Good, good on you. That's a good move you by know, you. That's a good move by like, you because you don't have their wheel of justice, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. I've given up on that, but here, here's what I'll say. In sucker punching specifically in this sport makes me so angry. Yeah. Firstly, I agree with you. Like, even as a Habs guy, like, Marshan's a fun guy to watch. Uh, and, like, last night when he was stopping Crosby from getting a stick, like, that is just such a good way to get under somebody's skin. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't hurt nobody, but just will piss you off to yeah. no end. Like, that's yeah. just such a great move. But if we have a sport, and I know that you have strong feelings about fighting in this sport. And if we have a sport that says you're allowed to fight because you need a pressure valve, right? And that's that's the argument. Okay, right. so I accept your premise that that we need a pressure valve. I don't. No, but I'm just <laughs> okay, like, like let's yeah, let's yeah. hypothetically say I accept <laughs> okay, your premise okay, that we need a pressure say. valve. Then why is it then okay to sucker punch a guy? You already have the pressure valve. Right. You already have a way that you're allowed to punch a guy. So in and Chara used to do it in in the scrums where you just see him you just see a little fist fly out of the scrum and then he'd skate out of the scrum and and Marshan has done it on several occasions where right. he sucker punched a guy. I think that a sucker punch should be like twenty game suspension. Oh wow! Okay. I think it should just be like completely gotten out of the game because it, you know. I don't know if it's apophrical or not, but you know, the story about Harry Houdini died from a sucker punch. Right. I don't know if that's true. Apparently. Yeah. Because he, he used to let guys punch him in the stomach and right, he did like a hundred sit-ups a day. And he talked about how strong his ab- abdominals were. Yeah. But then some big guy drilled him when he wasn't paying attention. When he wasn't, yeah. When he wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And now that's what I, I think so. That's what my dad told me anyways. Yeah. That's what I'm my mom told that. me. I'm so, going with that. Yeah. But my point is, is that, if you're going to have the premise that we need fighting in the game to have a pressure valve, then make that the pressure valve. Right. Get rid right. of the sucker punches. I yeah. would rather see a guy square off against another guy than see some poor unsuspecting victim just get decked in the side of the head. And, and I don't care about what the result is because at the end of the day, okay, so he's not concussed maybe. We don't right. know because we right. don't have the news yet, right? right? Right, But let's say he's not concussed. Great. That doesn't mean that what he did was any better. Right. That just means that you right. got lucky. Right. And the fact is, is that head injuries, we concussion is more of a buzzword than anything because head injuries are cumulative and you don't need to be concussed to wind up with CTE. Mm-hmm. You can have no mm-hmm. concussions in your whole life, mm-hmm. but if you've gotten repeated head injuries, you can still get CTE. So concussion or not, yeah. I, it's it it drives me crazy. It's interesting. I think you bring up a really good point, and and you know, for all the faults of the player safety department, and there are many, <laughs> um, they do tend to frown on this kind of stuff. Yeah, like they really frown on stick work, and they frown on things like sucker punch, and they're always and and you know, um, George Peros's big thing is willing combatant. Right. You have to be a willing combatant. If you're not a willing combatant then, um, you know, then it seems a little more egregious if a guy does something to a guy who's not a quote-unquote willing combatant. Right. I can't believe that's just accepted as part of the vernacular in this sport anyways. But Tristan Jerry was not a willing combatant. No, no chance. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I would be doing away with the sucker punches. If, if, if it were up to me, I would keep fighting in the game, but any form of premeditated fighting, yeah. any form of stage fight... Uh, and, and that would be automatic suspensions and sucker punches would be automatic suspensions. Yeah. But you know what? That's what you get. Like, 
I know. It's, there's it's a already culture. there's already five pages of rule fighting rules in the rule book. Yeah. Like like it's the rule that takes up the most space in the yeah. rule book. No chokeholds of any of any rule in hockey. Yeah. And now you know, just take it. Uh, just take it out. Just yeah. take it out. Because if you don't, if you take it out, then you don't have any of these things happening. Yeah. It's conceivably. Yeah. And there are sports, violent sports, football, rugby, et cetera, yeah. that have virtually no fighting. Right? Virtually no fighting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then and, and the, and the, the, the argument that you need the safety valve, that's where I think it falls flat on its face. Because I think players in other sports are every bit as passionate and every bit as... Um, you know, as, as physical and every bit as, uh, um, you know, hot and, and, you know, they, they want to win just as much as anybody else, anybody who plays hockey. It's not, it's not something that's unique to hockey that people are competitive. Well, do you, uh, Ken Dryden obviously wrote a book about this, Mm -hmm. maybe more than one. And, uh, one of the things that he said was that fighting, the original idea was that you didn't want people hitting each other with their sticks. Right. Because their sticks were these big, heavy wooden things. And so the fists were less damaging. Well, now the sticks are these light, you know, whatever things where carbon fiber, carbon yeah. fiber, yeah. and, and yeah. they wouldn't do the same damage as a, as a solid piece of hickory. Right. 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 But these players are machines now. Yeah. Right. They're, they're athletic machines. And so all of a sudden where the fists were only so dangerous back then, but the sticks were very dangerous. Right. The sticks are now less dangerous and the fists are much more dangerous. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, a, you yeah. know, getting a hit by there's exceptions to this rule. I mean, we've probably both seen the picture of Gordy Howe fishing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't yeah. think I want to get punched by him. No, <laughs> but you know, I think that there's a, there's a point to be made for that in terms of this original idea of the pressure valve. Right. Right. And with fighting, it's interesting. We could talk about another incident too. Marcus Foligno last night. Yes. With the, with the knee in the fight. Yes. You know, and, yeah. he, and he still said heat of the moment. It was yeah. heat of the moment. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, which brings us to. <laughs> wait, wait, he wait. Had, I had a moment. That's what yes. I want. That's what I want Brad Marchand to say. Yes. In, when he's in standing in front of George Perros. I had a moment. That was your best tweet in, in several months. It was, eh? That was your best tweet in several months. I showed it to everyone I know. (laughs) It was great. It was, uh, for those that didn't see it and follow uh, Ken Campbell underscore 27, it's actually here. Something like that. Ken underscore Campbell 27. It's on my computer here. Okay. Follow Ken underscore Campbell 27 on Twitter. But for those that don't know, Ken tweeted, uh, I hope that Brad Marchand goes to George the Violent Gentleman Peros and says... I had a moment. <laughs> and I've done a bunch of other really good things. Yeah, and, and I've done see, a bunch of other yeah, really good things. And just see how that just see how that works out for him. Yeah, exactly. Just see. Yeah. You know, give it yeah. a shot. Yeah. Well, as they say, the time is nigh. Super Bowl 56 coming up Sunday afternoon. And unless you cheer for the Cincinnati Bengals or the LA Rams, your team missed the big game this year. But my bookie's double deposit bonus makes sure that you won't. Sign up at my bookie now using my promo code HockeyUnfiltered, all one word, to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the biggest game of the year could get any better is to get paid doing it. And my bookie gives you everything you need to do it. With double your money, you can double your winnings. And the best starting point for the big game is with Super Bowl prop bets. 
Whether it's on or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl. So get in on the action. Let the confetti fall and walk away a winner. Don't miss out. Head to my bookie and double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code Hockey Unfiltered. All one word. Place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of the Super Bowl. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right. Okay. Well, I think we've done fighting to death. So now <clears throat> let's go to the part of hockey that has absolutely no fighting whatsoever. The Olympics. <laughs> the Olympics. The men's tournament at the Olympics. Beijing Are we Olympics. That far already? Holy cow! We're just plowing through these. I I think subjects. that I think that I've I've been so upbeat yeah. that it's been so fun that time is flying. I don't think that we're wow. plowing through this. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm making it seem as though we are. The uh, the Olympics starts today. Do you care? The men, no, the, the Olympics did not start today. Pardon me. The, the men's tournament in the Olympics starts. I think today. I said men's before, but I, I had that false start. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let, okay. Let's let's redeem let's redeem this this sentence now. Okay. Yeah. Don't you hate it when bad things happen to good sentences? <laughs> <laughs> the men's hockey tournament yep. in the Olympics at Beijing, twenty twenty two, starts today. Who do you got? Do we care? What team excites you? I care. Yep. I, I'm intrigued. I'm I intrigued. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm quite intrigued, actually. I think it'll be interesting. And I and and you know what's the thing is, is that is that okay, the hockey won't be NHL caliber. No. It won't be NHL caliber, but that doesn't mean it can't be exciting. You know what I mean? Because I've found in a lot of ways the worse the players are the bit more entertaining they are because they make more yeah. mistakes. They, you know, the, all those other things, right? Um, you so, wouldn't be saying that if you were covering the Montreal Canadiens this year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not entertaining at all. No, it's not. Wow. <laughs> wow. I know. I had another stinker to sit through last night. I'll nice. tell you. Nice. Um, yeah. So anyways, but I mean, generally speaking, as when the group of players is all of the same caliber and they're not as good. Yeah. Sometimes it can make for some very entertaining hockey. So I, I'm, I'm waiting to be entertained. I, you know, I, I like Canada. I, I think that they've got a load of experience. I, I worry mm -hmm. that Canada, well, I don't worry cause I, I don't, it doesn't really make a big difference to me whether or not they win or not. <laughs> you don't lose sleep over no, this Canada team. No, I don't. But, oh but boy, Adam Cracknell might not be good this year. Oh. <laughs> if I were, if I were a Canadian, I would be worried that they don't have enough players in that 20, four to 28 range. They got a bunch of old guys and a bunch of young guys and nobody in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, for entertainment value, I, I, I like the checks. I think the checks are going to be sneaky. Good. Yep. Um, and I, you know, for entertainment value, I just cannot wait to see what these kids in the U S are going to do. I just yes. can't wait. That is, that to me is going to be must, must viewing. And yes. I hope Jake Sanderson, I know last at last the last reports were that he was still behind and he was waiting to be cleared. Uh, I sure hope he gets to come and play because I think he would be a really good player to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and this is like a very Canadian centric viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So I'm well aware of that, but it's kind of going to be interesting to see the Canadians as an underdog. Now, last Olympics, they were also an underdog. Were they? Yeah, you know, I think that know? last Olympics it was pretty clear that that the Russian Olympic athletes right. or Olympic athletes from Russia were the 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 you know right they the were team the, to they, beat. They were the team to beat. Yeah, but this year 
the Canadians are an underdog that I think has a chance. And now no other country in the world is looking at Canada and saying an underdog. No. Right? Yeah. But this is just because we're used to seeing the most dominant rosters of all time. We're used to seeing Weber and Petrangelo combined for 400 slap shots on some poor 17-year-old yeah, yeah. Latvian kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it, this is kind of like an underdog story. And, and the guys on the team, for the most part, are likable. Eric Stahl is a likable guy. Mm-hmm. David Darnay is a likable guy. Mm-hmm. And then even the young kids that are on the team are 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 likable. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of it's this beloved underdog story that I think would be very neat. And and I agree with you. I'm also I'm also watching USA. Uh che- Czechia. I want to make sure I'm saying Czechia. This. Czechia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean they they they've got David Krejci. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and in a tournament yeah. like this, a, a talent of that magnitude might just run the roost, you know, or yeah. rule the roost. I rule should the say. Roost, yeah. Yeah. Run the table. Rule the roost. I, I get my uh, my little homilies <laughs> your meta, mixed your metaphors up. Metaphors. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Or your adages. Yes. Right. So I think that uh, you, I'm excited to see Canada, but not as excited as I am when the. Um, Oh no, no, no. But 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 I think the I think what what you lose in the quality of play you gain in uncertainty, which is nice. It's nice to be uncertain. Like who knows? Who knows? Like last time Germany almost won the thing. Yeah. Like they were a goal, a late goal away from winning the gold medal. They could be an underdog as well. Yeah, of course they could be. Of course they could be. So, you know, I mean, that's I think that's where you sort of hang your hat on these Olympics. It's like, we have no idea who's going to be good. Who's not going to be good. It's (laughs) going to take, you know, a couple of games for them to all sort of figure it out. Yeah. So I I think, I think there's a certain amount of, of intrigue there that makes it, that makes it exciting and interesting. You're talking to a person from the superhero movie generation. Okay. We want to know who wins. Oh, okay. Yes. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) But uh, no, you know, like, for for more Olympic stuff, uh, you know, it should be said your uh, your friends there at the Hockey News, Ryan and Matt, for the Hockey News podcast, did a really exceptional breakdown of every single team. Yeah, they did a deep dive for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, for us, it's just <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to go too deep because you'll probably yeah. lose people. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk I mean, more about I, China. I'll be interested to find out what the numbers are going to be like. What the TV numbers are going to be like. That would be a very interesting thing. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. So uh, going from an Olympic tournament or a, a side of the Olympic tournament where we have no idea who's going to be good and who's going to be not, yeah. let's talk about the side where we have a pretty decent idea as to who's good and who's not. And that's um, that's the women's uh, hockey. Right. Canada, USA are, I mean, it's just not even close. And is there anything that you think can be done about that? Well, I think, I think there's something that has to be done about it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I see some real warning signs and red flags right now. Right. In this game. One of them is that in this tournament, they, they deliberately made the format that the top five teams would be in the same division and the next five teams would be in the other division. Right. So, I mean, Canada and USA aren't beating up on Denmark and Czechia. Here, yeah. Or Russia even. For, or 
No, they are. Russia yeah, was in their group. Russia's but, in you know, group. those teams, it, or Japan or China, they're not beating up on them. They're beating up on Finland. Yeah. You know, they're beating up on on teams that are supposed to be the third, fourth, and fifth best teams in the world. And they're and those games are they're not competitive. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. Um so to me to and and the other thing I think that 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 raises some alarm bells is is what's going on with Finland. I mean, you probably could chalk it up to the fact that the coach left Nuoratu, the goalie off the team and it's really thrown that whole thing into disarray. Right. So maybe I'll give that to them that, that maybe uh, there's a, you know, there's a, um, you know, a, a dynamic to that team that's not working yep. right now. But to me, I mean, for them to lose to Switzerland, I mean, that to me is, is really concerning because they were one of the teams that, that was that was you know that that was that that was going to give Canada and USA a, a you know a, a fight in 2019. You know they were a controversial goal away from winning the gold medal over the US. Yeah. Um, you know in 2006, Sweden won the silver medal, and now they're fighting to stay in the in 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 the in the top ten teams. Yeah. So to me, it's I think you know I mean a lot of this comes from the fact that Rosie Demano of the Toronto Star wrote a piece the other day saying that women's hockey should be taken out of the, um, out of the tournament because it's not competitive enough. And, you know, the blowback was, was swift and, and predictable. Decisive. And yes. predictable. Yeah. Um, but to me, I mean, that's, that's one end of the spectrum, but the other end of the spectrum is no, 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 no. Like, like, you know, this, everything's fine. You know, look at all these women who are doing these great things and look at when Canada plays USA, how exciting it is and everything to think that there's nothing wrong to think that there's that everything is, is great on the global stage for women's hockey, mm -hmm. I think is really, really profoundly dangerous mm -hmm. um, because it's not, it's just not. I mean, I watched, I watched some of those games and mm. If you can watch the non-U.S. Canada games and say that that is something that's Olympic caliber competition, well, then I, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know what games you're watching because they're not. Yeah. Because they're not. And so it's got to get better. It's got to get better. And the people whose job it is to improve this game at a global level have been negligent in their duties. Yeah. <laughs> they really have. And and so so what does it? What does it? Okay. Well. Some think a pro league will do it. I'm not so sure that that does it because if you have a pro league, you're going to have what, maybe four or five, six, let's say it's a 16 pro league, yeah. right? Where the players are paid and they're paid a living wage and they're, you know, they're treated as pros and they can do that. Okay. So, well, the great, the, the vast majority of that league is going to be Canadian and U S players. Yeah. with a few others sprinkled in there. So I don't know that that helps develop hockey in other countries. It's got to come down to the federations, you know? I mean, in 2019, Sweden had a had a massive player revolt because they were so upset about how their women were being, their women players were being treated in comparison to the men. Right. And that's Sweden. Like, yeah. that's Sweden. Man, that's a social democracy you're talking about, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they're doing that in Sweden, what are they doing in Russia and... Yeah. You know, China, you know, and that sort of thing. So to me, 
it's got to start at home and these federations have to step up and they've got to get some domestic leagues going. They've got to get grassroots programs going. They've yep. got to bring in people um, like uh, um, uh, Carla, Mc Carla McLeod. I can't remember what, uh, anyways, the, the, former def uh, the former player for Canada who went over to China and coached for a couple of years. They've got to have yep. people going over there and, you know, spreading the game and teaching the game and having good grassroots programs because, you know, I mean, Olympic sports come and go. So it's not, I don't think it's a given that this thing is, that women's hockey is going to stay in the Olympics forever. Yeah. Um, although it does give 10 countries, 25 female athletes, which really is a, a, a positive in terms of the gender equity side of things. Yeah. So that does help. But I mean, at some point you got it. You know, I mean, it's, it took a long time. It took a long time for the men to do it mm -hmm. and it's taken a long time. I mean, you know, look at basketball in Canada. Yeah. I mean, and, and soccer in Canada for that matter, Canadian men were fodder for the longest time. And now they're, now they're among the elite countries, right? Yeah. So it takes time, but you've got to see some forward progress. And I don't, not only do I not see forward progress, I see a regression and that's what worries me. Yeah. So it uh, should be mentioned, you did write uh, more in depth about this on your sub stack. Right. So again, if you know, if that's something that interests you, then check it out at kencampbell.substack.com. And, you know, I think it's funny because you, you haven't seen my answer to this, but you, you kind of <laughs> touched on it and, and brushed it aside. Okay. But I was going to say um, a true professional league in North America, it, it, it provides something to work towards. And, and, and here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I used to canoe for the Bombay Beach Canoe Club. Okay. And uh, I competed nationally and a knee injury knocked me out when I was a midget. How does a knee injury stop you from paddling a canoe? You're on one knee the whole time. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. if that knee goes, you're in very bad shape. Okay. Yeah. I had issues oh. with my meniscus in that knee. Okay. From, from paddling. But okay. I did know uh, a young woman who's uh, maybe about a year older than me um, at the time. Why didn't you just go on the other knee? No, no, no. That's, that's like, that's like telling a hockey player to just shoot on the other okay, side. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's completely, it's a natural thing, right? Yeah. I'm being completely ignorant. Here, so. yeah. Okay. You don't know about the most niche sport in the world. <laughs> Um, so anyways, she was the best canoeer in Canada right. and she basically just gave it up at 17 Oh, geez. because there was no Olympics women canoeing, right? There was Olympics women kayaking. And so last year was the first year that there uh, last summer Olympics was the first year that there was Olympics women canoe teams. Right. And so, and, and, and I saw that and it made me happy to see this, but it also kind of made me sad thinking about this, this young woman that I, that I, you know, grew up with and we trained together and we'd go down to Florida in the, in the winters to go and train at some weird trailer park that we'd, you know, rent out and stuff like this, right. With our team. And th the point is, is that there was no goal for her. Right. Right. She, she basically, she won an age category above her at the Canadian nationals. And that was as good as it gets. Right. And of course, right. then that's, we're talking about Steve Giles, Adam Vancouverton in terms of for kayak and canoe are they're They're the, the, the tops of the tops of the pack. They're the creme de la creme of, of their generation. Right. So Canada was, was the best 
or one of the top countries for canoeing and kayaking. And she won in Canada. And that's about it. Right. So at a 17 year old, she had to turn around and say, well, I guess I'm done now. Yeah. Yeah. And so without a professional league, you've got possibly, I'm assuming lots of women around the world that are playing hockey at 14, playing hockey at 16, and then just thinking like, do I, do I start getting serious about my degree here? And of course, North America has the NCAA program. So that's its own, that's a good avenue for, for women's sports, but around the world in Finland and Sweden and, you know, uh, Russia and China, you know, you're, you're going to be starting to think to yourself, do I start getting more serious about school or do I continue to work out for two hours a day Mm -hmm. and skate for an hour a day and, you know, like and skills coach for three hours a week on Saturdays. And like, there comes a point where it's just a lot of commitment for no possible avenue of success. Yeah. But are the women in Europe doing those things? Like, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they are getting skills training a couple hours a week or something like that. But but to me, that that's where you have to, where that's where it has to change is there, there has to be that commitment, right? Right. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm with you on a pro league, right? Like there needs to be a pro league. There, yeah, there I know really that you're does. not saying that there shouldn't be a pro there league. There needs to be a pro league. Okay, so like it, I'm just spitballing this here. But so if you're going to have a pro league, then maybe you have a North American draft and a European draft. And you yeah. have to, you have to draft three players from every other, you know, top, like <laughs> top hockey country. Yeah. And and they got to be on your roster and they got to be regular players yeah. who get to play. Yeah. So then you get, you know, the best Japanese and the best Chinese and the best Finnish players going up against the Marie-Philippe Poulins and the Hillary Knights. And, and they're trying to, st- and they're practicing with them and they're playing with them and they're playing against them. Yeah. And that's how they get better. And then they go back home to their national teams and they're better players. And then, the, and then these girls in, in, in these countries have someone to look up to and say, maybe I can do that. Right. Exactly. Then, then that's, I, I, I can get on board. I can definitely get on board with that. It's funny because your idea of doing this two separate draft system is exactly the opposite of what they do in Europe, which is that they say you're only allowed to have X amount of right. not yeah, quotas, nationalized quotas, but players. I, I would say reverse the quotas. Yeah. You have to have so many players. Like there have to be so many, pl- like there's a pool of, you know, what, so what What are we at? We're, so two, Canada and US. So then you've got the eight, let's say you take eight other, the other, the eight top countries in the world Yeah, from there. So you're two, three to 10. You got to take three players, so that's twenty-four players, yeah. right? Uh, you have six teams, so four players, yeah, from those countries have to be on each and every roster. Yeah, you know, if they're your fourth line and they don't see a lot of ice time, I'm not sure that that helps. But you got that's it what you got to do. That's what you got to do. That's it what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. And 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 to my points earlier, for the fifteen-year-old and the and the fourteen-year-old where you're at a time where you now have to decide, am I serious or am I not? Right. Because that's the age. You, you need to be doing it your whole life. Yeah. But that's the age where you've got to turn around and say, am I in the gym 10 hours a week? Yeah. I, yeah. Am I doing skills coaching? Am I doing whatever? Like, like I've got my youngest goalie student is seven. Wow. It's probably better than you too. No comments. <laughs> He's more energetic. I'll give you that. <laughs> My youngest goalie student is seven. Okay. And and his mom is asking me, she asked me if I think that he can make the NHL. 
<laughs> I know. That's bonkers. And and I said You should just tell her yes, but he has to be on the <laughs> ice with you me every me. single yes. day for three hours and you have to pay a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. And and you know what? She'd probably say, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I told her was that you can tell that he has natural athletic ability. That's all you can tell with a seven-year-old. But do you, and even but, then. But do you go into your your kid's grade one class <laughs> and say to the teacher, do you think my son could uh, like be a brain surgeon? Yeah, yeah. Or like he could be like a brilliant yeah, yeah. attorney or yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, but this is the what thing. The- and of course, Kerry Price didn't start playing ice hockey until he was 12 or 13. Yeah. You know, I, I was a late bloomer athletically myself. I, I was like picked last in dodgeball at 13. And then by 15, I was starter on the varsity football team. Right. right okay. <laughs> like, so, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if somebody saw me at seven, they'd say, Hey, uh, feel free to give it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So, um, and they probably would have saved me a lot of heartache. <laughs> so do we, uh, do we move on? I think we've, uh, I believe we do. I think we've covered, covered the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, as of Monday, Jack Eichel, remember him? Ooh. Yeah, he began Eichel. practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights without a non-contact sweater. And the team says he could be in the lineup within 10 days. What are the Golden Knights going to have to do to fit him under the salary cap? Okay, first thing I want to say is I'm so glad that you read that that question the way I wrote it. Yep, I, I, I'm nothing if not obedient. sweater? <laughs> not a jersey. It's not a jersey. It's a sweater. Yeah, it's yeah, a hockey yeah. sweater, not a jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. My biggest gripe about you when you're on the Hockey News podcast was the amount of time wasted on the sweater jersey thing. So I'll just say you have it. It's not wasted time. It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So Jack Eichel, wow. So, um, you know, I mean, they're over the cap right now. Yep. They've got. Jack Eichel and Alec Martinez on their way back on, on LTIR who are coming back. Yep. Um, I, I, I <laughs> the conspiracy theorist to me says in a couple of days or a week, we're going to hear that Jack Eichel had a major setback. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're going to hear. Yeah. Oh, he's had a, he's had a setback. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, he was, he was on his way and he was in the weight room and he tweaked something and now we're not sure when he's coming back. Yeah. Probably sometime around the playoffs would be a good time to, to project. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, I think you've got that possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from trading and of Jenny Dadenoff, a Riley Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that. Do you take on somebody who's on LTIR right now somewhere else? Yeah. Like a uh, Ryan Kessler, I guess. Right. And get that dead cap space and pay him and don't worry about it and then get it back in terms of how you can replace it, that sort of thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but it's it's going to be di- it's going to be really difficult going to be really, really interesting to see what kind of gymnastics they can perform to make this happen. I have a solution that is beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah, don't have a salary cap. <laughs> Trade Jack Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Vegas Golden Knights are notorious for one thing, which is nobody is safe on their roster. Exactly. And I see no reason why Jack Eichel should be any different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Frankly, what has he done to the organization for date to date? Not much. Not a whole lot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't okay. even show up for the all-star game. Couldn't even be an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to your point, you said traded Dadnoff or Riley Smith. And I mean, this, this is the thing with this team because we were both scrolling down the cap friendly page. There is no dead cap space. No. Your, no. your top paid players are like Mark Stone, uh, Alex Petrangelo, Max Pacioretty. Right. I think in that order, I could be wrong, but, um, so if like, those are the guys that you want as your top paid players. And now of course, Jack Eichel will enter that conversation at some point, but like, those are your three best players. And then as, as you go down that list, there's nobody that you go, wow, he's making more money than he's worth because lower, lower on their defense charts. You're talking about guys making a million bucks. Yeah. Maybe Laurent Boursois at 2.3. Right, which is yeah. their, their backup goaltender. Yeah. And and yeah. so if you turn around and say, we have utmost confidence in Leonard's health, which, I mean, they should. I don't think that he's been injured at all this year mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. last year. Um, so maybe, sure, you say you've got utmost confidence in Leonard's health and you can bring in a, a guy off of waivers for to just sit in for a few games for Leonard to rest. Yeah. But it's, uh, th- there's not a lot, There's there's no dead money so to speak right and, on this and, team. I, and I, I i you know you think of a guy like riley smith and you think you know original guy yeah. you know part of the golden misfits you know part of that line that yeah. was that was you know the the Mar- marsh uh with uh marcia so and carlson yeah. and you know i mean so he's part of he's part of the fabric of the, the organization and everything but to your point you know they've they've proved that 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 doesn't that doesn't mean, mean anything Jack, to them. Yeah. Jack poop, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially with the way they dealt with Mark Andre Fleury after winning the Vezina trophy and then just basically <laughs> trading him away. That was unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I get that, that Riley Smith is a, is a pretty big component of this team and that he's, you know, I mean, he's been a soldier for, for a few years, but that doesn't seem to be something that really, um, um, is is part of the part of the whole thinking there? So, yeah. I, I mean, maybe he's a guy that you know would would be gone would be gone as a rental, like he'd be a rental because yeah, he's, an he's not coming to UFA. unrestricted free agent. So, yeah, Dadanov uh, has another year, yeah, before UFA five million bucks. They're both making five million bucks, right? It still doesn't clear all the cap space you need. No, it doesn't. Right? So like, that hence hence the owie that. Jack Eichel might have in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next couple of days. Yeah, he'll have uh, he'll have what 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 medical professionals will be known as Trump ankles. <laughs> <laughs> they can keep you out of Vietnam and they can keep you out of cap space hell. But then, after April 29th, <laughs> amazingly, amazingly, they heal up. They heal up. Right. And you're, right exactly. you're good. To, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, my follow up question to this, though is cap space implications aside, will Jack Eichel, if he plays on this line, and I see no reason why he shouldn't, but will Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone be the best line in hockey immediately? Oh, geez. Hmm. 
There's an argument to be made that they should. Well, yeah, but you have to see what they're going to accomplish first, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, Jack hasn't played in how long? How long has it been since he's played? Year and a half. Yeah. So there's going to be an adjustment period there, (laughs) I would think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, they they certainly have the potential to be. I'll tell you, if I hadn't played for a year and a half. Special line. Like, I, I look forward to. Um, what Max Pacioretty can do. Oh, like the, the goals that he can score. Yeah. With a guy like Jack Eichel. Yeah. Feeding him and a guy like Mark Stone digging the pucks out. Yeah. You know, Mark Stone goes in, digs the pucks out, digs the puck out, gets the takeaway, gets it to Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel hands it off to Max Pacioretty, who's in a perfect scoring area. Like that, that is, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. We could see that a lot of that. Yeah. And, all three of those guys, excellent on the rush. All three of those guys, excellent defensively. Like, so, and and so to your point about um, Patch Reddy and, and uh, Jack Eichel, the, the joke in Montreal is that Patch Reddy said about De- David Darnay that, that, that Darnay was the best center he'd ever played with, right? <laughs> yeah. And when you really look at Patch Reddy's career, you think that might actually still be true. Because he's been playing with like Chandler Stevenson, yeah, who's yeah. having a good year and he's a good player. But in terms of like a playmaker, a guy like Darren got 60 points, put up 60 points when he was playing with Pacioretty, right? And so you put Pacioretty with Jack Eichel. You, you say Pacioretty can put up 39 goals playing with David Darren Yeah. He can put up 39 goals and be your number one unit penalty killer. Mark Stone is the epitome of uh, if somebody made a Selkie trophy winner in a lab, right. In my opinion, yeah, they would come out with Mark stone, uh, Mark stone with better wheels. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. The yeah. knock on him is, 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 is better wheels. Igor, go get the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be a scary unit for sure. So you've got three guys that you could basically give every defensive zone draw to. And every defensive zone draw could turn into a goal for mm-hmm. your team. Mm-hmm. And virtually none of them would turn into a goal for the other team. It's just, it, it is. It's a scary unit. The fact that Patch Reddy, the fact that Jack Eichel will be the weak one defensively on that unit. Yeah. And he's yeah. not weak defensively. Yeah. Like, that's wild. So none of those three guys will have played with a, a player better than the other two guys that they'll be playing with. Right. I just... I've heard people say, well, put put Eichel with the Dadanov or, or, you know, I've heard people like, don't galaxy brain it. Don't overthink it. Just put this incredible, amazing line together that could be the best line in hockey. Why right. wouldn't you do that? Right. Well, I mean, you know, the Bruins are sort of toying with that right now, putting pa- uh, putting uh, Pasternak with Taylor Hall and Eric Halla. Right. And it's, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Like they've, they've, they've done very, very well together instead of loading everything up all in one line. Yeah. Having a bit more depth there, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, when you've got March or so, uh, Riley, <clears throat> Riley Smith, um, uh, the third guy, Carlson, Carlson as your second line, William Carlson. That's right. Seven as your second goals line. this year or 11. What is it? What's William Carlson got? Would have to look that up. Um, but when you've got that as your third, as your second line, yeah. And then you've got Chandler Stevens, Dadanov, and somebody else yeah. as your third line. Yeah. You're in a pretty good place. Yeah. Like yeah, like I, right. pe- people I don't think I don't think that a lot of people are thinking about Vegas because they've had an up and down year. 
But if I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer. Uh, I'm becoming one. I'm not, I'm just not. I, and I don't even know why that's what, <laughs> that's what, I, that's what bugs me so much is I look at that team and I go, no, they're not going to win. Well, why? I don't know why, but it just seems like there's something missing there. And I, and for me, a big part of it is that I, I, I call it the chasing the shiny new thing syndrome. Yep. And they just do that all the time and they never allow themselves to get settled right. and to have a group that, that sort of stays together for a long time before, you know, oh, Alex Pietrangelo, well, we don't necessarily need a defenseman like him, but you know what? We're going to go out and get him anyways, right? Yeah. Um, you know, That's what Robin, I love about the Robin team, Leonard, though. they go get Robin Leonard when they already have a goalie. They go get Jack Eichel when they've already paid everybody a bunch of money. Yeah. Like I just... I just don't feel like they ever get into a groove, you know? And, and I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a believer in that team. I, so and, it's the meshing that, that, yeah, you have an I issue think with. that's, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so we'll see. So before we get out of here, uh, is, is there anything, anything at all to say about, uh, Rocky words at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things to say. What do you want no, to talk about? I mean, about? like, there's just been so much said about it that, you know. Yeah, and, and it's old news now because it happened, of course, the day that we did the podcast <laughs> last time or yeah, something. Yeah. So it's yeah. been like a week. We're the sober second thought. We're, we're the, we're the, <laughs> Senate, the Senate of podcasts <laughs> at this point. Not always sober, but most of the time. <laughs> um, Certainly second. Yeah, so to me, this whole issue, you know, Rocky Wirtz said what he said. It was like a week ago. Um, unfortunately, exactly same, a week ago. Yeah, it was unfortunately yeah. the same day we did this podcast and afterwards. So we haven't had a chance to address it yet. Um, he said what he said. He did what he did. It was terrible. Um, to me, the, the, the issue now is how the NHL chose to deal with it and how Gary Bettman chose to deal with it. And I was appalled. I was absolutely appalled at how the NHL dealt with this whole situation yeah. Um, to, to, to slough it off as a moment. Like that's what he said. And and that's why I said it earlier in the podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like to slough it off as him having a moment like that, that's, that's, we've had the time and that's, that's what we're going with here. Yeah. Is he had a moment. Yeah. Players have moments all the time. Coaches get fined for having moments. You know, the New York New York Rangers had a moment last year when they criticized George Peros. Um, you know, just because he had a moment doesn't mean that he's absolved of any wrongdoing and the, the, the fact that he apologized, put out some kind of apology. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and you go, oh, the guy's one of Gary Bettman's most trusted allies. Oh, he's on the executive committee of the Board of Governors. Oh, he's on the finance and audit committee of the Board of Governors. The two most powerful committees on the board of governors. He's, he's like among the most powerful of the most powerful. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I was really, really disappointed. Like to say it's a moment and to say, you know, they're doing all these great things. And that was a bail. That was a huge bail. The, I mean, everything's been said about it. There's nothing more for me to say. It was stupid. It was incredible that he did not come up with an answer to that question the first time that he was speaking publicly. Yeah. 
Um, and, but but none of this is is even me saying it because it's been said a million times either on Twitter, on other podcasts, etc. The only thing that I'll say and I'll add to this is that his son's name is Danny, right? It was Danny that tried to speak up. Yeah. And he and he hushed. Yeah. I just I hope that Danny saw that and said what we all say at some point in our lives, I never want to become my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that Danny was genuinely embarrassed. Of course he was. First of all, the question was directed to him. Right. And Rocky stepped in and then he tried to, like he actually tried to, he tried to assuage people. He tried to, he tried to make something, yeah. you know, chicken soup out of chicken poop. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. he, and he, he tried to jump in there and do some, do the right thing and then got completely shot down and shut, uh, you know, completely shut down. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's like, wow, you know, wow. Like really how much power do I have? None, you know? Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that, um, the fact that he tried, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just an optimi- optimistic guy by nature. And so the fact that he tried, and the fact that he tried to stand up to his dad and the fact yeah. that he's more in charge of day-to-day operations, I think is hopefully is a good omen. That's all I can say. Yeah. As far as, as far as Rocky goes, like what, what more can I say? It was gross. It's stupid. Yeah. It was, it was reprehensible that he, that he blamed Kyle beach for his organization's misdeeds. Oh yeah. Like, like that's like the definition of victim blaming, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you, and, you, and you Gar- put it in a de- dictionary. You just say "see Rocky works." And Gary Bettman was was right on with that. He was and right Gary on board with that because exactly. He, said, he and and you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he probably would have used different words, but it the optic the optics were terrible. Would where he, he said because of words? Kyle had- Beach and because of what happened to Kyle Beach, you know this organization has been through so much and it's been frustrating and emotional and and like wow, you had. You had like a like you had a couple of days to figure this one out, and yeah. that's what you that's what you came up with. And that's exactly what I was going to say: is that he had a couple of days. These weren't just the first words that came. Yeah, to his this head. wasn't. The yeah. camera didn't just pan to Gary yeah, Bettman, yeah. who tried to settle the waters at that point. Right. It right. was this was like Gary Bettman, like, okay, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who should I blame this on? The communists? No, <laughs> no. Let's see. Oh, the victim, mm. the victim of the whole affair. So, oh, whatever. Well. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. I think we're good. We're good here. All right. Well, thanks so much for watching or listening to this point. If you want this directly into your inbox and other uh, writing from Ken, subscribe to kencampbell.substack.com. You can check us out on Twitter, Ken underscore Campbell 27 or me at underscore Dylan Waugh, W-A-U-G-H and check out this podcast and please don't forget to leave a rating a subscription anything you like is always appreciated